You're listening to the Sermon Podcast from Real Life Pullman Campus, reaching the world for Jesus one person at a time. It is Father's Day, and I have a Father's Day message for you today. Does that sound good? Cool. So if you're not a dad, I just want you to know there will be most of this directed at dads, but there is parts that I feel like everyone can apply in their own lives, okay? So that doesn't mean everyone else can just, you know, zonk out right now and take a nap like a dad. Uh, It means pay attention. There's going to be good stuff. Um, Let's pray and then we'll get into it, okay? Heavenly Father, we give this time over to you. It's yours. Um, I pray, Lord, that as we go through what you have prepared for us this morning, uh, that you can just be with us and uh, stir up in our hearts what you want us to hear this morning. Thank you for our fathers, and I pray that we can honor them today. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, All right. So I'm not a dad. Uh, Spoiler alert. Uh, still not married, and I heard that was an important part in that process. Uh, so uh, I, haven't, I haven't had the opportunity and the great joy of being a father. So talking to fathers uh, today, I, I'm lacking in some credibility. So I decided uh, we need, I, I need some backup. Uh, so I called up my dad, and he's coming out here today. My dad's a, uh, a pastor, if you didn't know. Um, I also, I'll save you some time. Yes, we look very similar. Um, I'll take it as a compliment today, I guess. Um, but uh, he's a pastor and he's here to join with us today. Dad, why don't you uh, tell us a little bit about yourself? Oh, okay. Oh, wait, you know what? Um, what? We don't wear ties here. We at real life, you know, we, we're not a tie. But I preach every Sunday in a tie. Yeah, but it's real life, so just lose the tie a little bit. All there right. we go. <laughs> we rehearsed right. that. It was better in practice. <laughs> <laughs> you might see a chest hair. Sorry about that. Um, yeah, we. Uh, I wanted to share a little bit about our family, our heritage, our roots. Uh, turns out our roots uh, are spiritual roots, but they're also here in the Northwest uh, on my... Mom's side of the family, my grandfather, was born in Washington and then moved to Oregon, and he uh, eventually became a missionary to China. He and his wife were there uh, for most of their life in China. And then uh, on my uh, father's side of the family, his grandfather was a Baptist preacher in Idaho, and then uh, his mom married a man that was not a man of God. And as far as we know, he never became a man of God, never accepted Jesus as his savior. And uh, he was also not a very good father. He, his infidelities led his mother to divorce his dad when he was still fairly young. And uh, he never really liked his dad after that point, after he found out what happened, and wasn't reconciled to his dad until later in life. But that led to a lot of problems for my dad growing up, and uh, he was probably one of the least likely people to become a pastor. And then he had an experience with God in a ship in the World War II that changed his mind about that. God put a call in his life, and he dedicated his life to ministry and became a pastor. And then, Matt, I grew up as a pastor's kid, and I was probably the second 
most or least likely person to become a pastor because of my shyness and inability to speak in public, uh, which I never did, and I couldn't even speak to people individually very well, so that was not likely until God did a miracle in my life, and God changed all of that and called me to ministry, which meant that Corbin grew up as a pastor's kid also. I'm plenty likely to become a pastor. I liked people, and I'm good at talking, so... Um, <laughs> Finally got, finally got the one he was looking for. So yeah. uh, <laughs> Anyway, um, we're going to open up in, in Genesis chapter 22, and we're going to look at a, a father uh, in the Old Testament. And this story you probably have heard before. You may not have liked it too much. It, it rubs people the wrong way. Um, but I'm going to tell you why it, it should make you feel even worse. Um, no, there, there's actually more to it than, the, than, than you think. Uh, but one of the things that I want, as we read through this, I want you to pay attention to just the similarities between this and uh, the narrative of Jesus, okay? Sometime later, God tested Abraham. He said to him, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Then God said, take your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac. Did you guys catch that? Jesus is God's only son. Isaac, and go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on the mountain I will show you. Early the next morning, Abraham got up, loaded his donkey. He took with him two of his servants, his son Isaac. And he, when he had cut enough wood for the burnt offering, he set out for the place God had told him about. On the third day, everyone say that back to me. Third day. Let's see the similarities. Anyway, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. He said to his servant, stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there. We will worship and then we'll come back to you. Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering and placed it on his son Isaac. He placed it on his son Isaac. What did he place on his son Isaac? The wood. Ah, there we go. And he himself carried the fire and the knife. As the two of them went up together, Isaac spoke and said to his father, Abraham, father, yes, my son, Abraham replied, the fire and wood are here, Isaac said, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And the two of them went on together. When they reached the place God had told him about, Abraham built an altar there and arranged the wood on it. He bound his son, Isaac, laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Then he reached out his hand, took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called out to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Do not lay a hand on the boy, he said. Do not do anything to him. Now I know that you fear God because you have not withheld him from me, your only son. Abraham looked up and there in a thicket, he saw a ram caught by its horns. He went over, took the ram, sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called the place the Lord will provide, and to this day on the mountain of the Lord it will be provided. So we got, uh, we got this story of Abraham and Isaac, and uh, like I said, you've probably heard it before, and it doesn't seem to fit right than God asking someone to sacrifice their son, but it does foreshadow the coming of Jesus very well, right? We got three days, we've got... Uh, Jesus carrying the cross and Isaac carrying the wood and he's carrying his own, the means to his own death. That's the same as Jesus. And, and we see this foreshadowing and it's Abraham's only son and God sacrificed his only son. And it's just this foreshadowing narrative of God starting uh, to mark his people. Abraham was the start of his people 
And then later on, Jesus would be uh, the way he would call us all back to be part of his family. Um, but there's more to this story that, that should rub us a little. First of all, what, what's, uh, what's Abraham doing? Like, he doesn't even question this. He doesn't even doubt, not even for a minute. He doesn't even protest. God's like, hey, go sacrifice your son. He's like, okay. You know, there's no, there's no debate here. Um, and, and on top of that, if you guys read your Bible enough, you know that this isn't Abraham's only son. He had another son. It's his only son through Sarah. It's the only son God promised him, but he had another son named Ishmael. And uh, he had that son. Why? Because uh, he doubted God. He doubted God and didn't think God was going to come through. So he decided to take matters into his own hands and, and uh, have sex with his concubine Ish or uh, Hagar. There you go. Thanks, Dad. That's why you're here. Um, (laughs) He decided to do that, and uh, they had Ishmael. And because of that, uh, we we see this doubt and this this split in his family. And what's even more disturbing is uh, a few verses before that, uh, he was presented with an opportunity, or his his wife, Sarah, was pretty upset at Ishmael. He was mocking. Uh, And so uh, she said, send the boy away. And in just before our passage that we just read, chapter 21, verse uh, 11, we see him say this. Or, or there you go. The matter distressed Abraham greatly because it concerned his son. So he's concerned about sending his son Ishmael away. He's, con- he's distressed about it. He didn't, he didn't like that idea of sending his son away because he could die if he has no provision. And uh, God comes alongside and says, don't worry, I'll take care of Ishmael. So at this time, when, when, he comes, when it comes to his story with Isaac, he, that is his only son left because he sent Ishmael away. But he's distressed over sending Ishmael away. And he, we're not even talking about killing his son. We're talking about just sending him away. So why is Abraham not distressed? Why is he not concerned about killing his son Isaac, the child of his, his wife, the child of the promise that, that God had provided him? Well, it's because of that right there. See, Ishmael, or God, or there we go. Abraham took matters into his own hands for Ishmael. He, he, he took that opportunity uh, to try to make God's will happen, uh, and he, he bore a son, Ishmael, from his own power, his own ability. It wasn't something that God had provided. It wasn't something God told him to do. It's not something God told him to wait for. No, he went ahead and did it himself. And because of that, Ishmael, he felt a responsibility because he, it was, Ishmael was his son, but then we come to the story of Isaac and he doesn't doubt anymore. First of all, he's gotten the opportunity to see that God provides. He's already gotten to see that even though he doubts, even though he's unfaithful, God is always faithful. And so God has already come through for him and he, he's got that evidence in his back pocket. But on top of that, he recognizes something that's very important that we're talking about today. Isaac's not his son. He, he didn't have him by his own means. He was an old man. His wife was an old woman and they, didn't, they shouldn't have had a child. He recognizes that. This was God's promise to him and he fulfilled it. And so he recognizes that Isaac isn't his. So when God calls him to sacrifice, he recognizes this isn't my son, God. I trust you because this is your son. And I will do what you call me to do because I trust you and I trust your ability to watch over your son. He recognizes that it's not his ownership over Isaac that as much as he loves him, as much as he cares for him, as, as, as much as he's a part of his life, it's not his son, it's God's son. And he's, he's given that, that control over to God, and so he trusts God to come through. And as we see, 
he came through. Um, my father had an opportunity in his life uh, to go through something similar, so I thought it'd be good for him to share with us that story. Yeah, I uh, actually have three children. Uh, Corbin has two uh, siblings that are older than him, and when we ha- came to the point where we were going to have our first child, this was back in the day before you did the gender reveal parties and all those things that, you know, you find out what the gender of the baby's going to be, and then you tell everybody. Well, they didn't even check in those days, so we didn't know what we were going to have, boy or girl, but I assumed it was going to be a boy because God loves me. And <laughs> it turns out that... Uh, we had, we had picked out a name uh, for this boy, David Paul, and because that's my two favorite Bible characters, David and Paul. I said, this is going to be a great name, going to be a great kid. And then the day came, and we had our first child, and it, guess what? Wasn't a boy. So we, uh, we did have an alternate name that, just in case uh, it was a girl, we picked Joy, and so we had a daughter, Joy. And then about a year and a half later, we had uh, another child, expecting another child. Again, didn't know what it was going to be, but this time I was sure that God was going to be faithful to me and that David Paul would be finally born. And then we had a second daughter. And we didn't even have a thought of a name, but we, we thought, well, you know, the first one's joy, how about hope? And so we have a joy, we have a hope. And uh, then uh, several years later, uh, we expected another child to come. But uh, this time, uh, there was a bit of a problem because my wife uh, has RH factor and the first time uh, they gave her the shot they were supposed to give her. But the second time, uh, for whatever reason, they made a mistake, they didn't give her the shot that she was supposed to get. And so uh, she ended up uh, her antibodies in her blood attacked the baby's antibodies. And uh, they, fortunately, by this time, they were aware of these kind of problems and they were doing the checking that they could. We actually found out he was a boy uh, before he was born. And, but it was during this time that we realized that uh, his life was not really in our hands. Um, not that any child is, but especially in this case, we realized that there was serious problems that uh, could prevent him from being even born alive. And so they were doing checking. They ended up uh, doing a, uh, a check about four weeks before his birth date, and they decided that uh, he wasn't going to make it if they waited any longer, so they did an emergency C-section, rushed us to the hospital over in Phoenix. We were in Arizona at that time. Uh, and so we, we got there, and uh, as soon as he was uh, delivered, they said he is not going to make it unless he has blood transfusion. And so this was a scary time for blood transfusions because at that time, the AIDS crisis had... Uh, been in full swing, and they had come to realize that a lot of people were contracting AIDS through transfusions, but they weren't doing testing yet. All they were doing was screening and trying to prevent people who might have AIDS from giving blood, but it wasn't a perfect system at that point, and so I, I asked, is there some way that I could give the blood? Could, it, could he have my blood? His mom's blood's attacking him. Maybe my blood will, will fix him. 
And uh, they said, no, we, we, we have to have it immediately and uh, we can't do it. We're going to have to do it this way. We're going to have to take someone else's blood and uh, save him through the blood of someone else. So at that point, we, we had to submit. He ended up having two blood transfusions, complete transfusions, uh, replacing his blood. And uh, they were able to save him, fortunately. But uh, at this point, uh, we, we, I, we just didn't feel like David Paul was the right name for him. And I had been reading in uh, Scripture during this period of time, came across Mark chapter 7, verse 11, where it talks about korban, the sacrifice that we are to make before God, the, the, the offering that we set apart for God. And I felt like at that time, my wife and I both felt that this was something that we were having to do. We didn't really have a choice. We were having to give our child up to God because we could not, her blood was attacking, my, God was, or my blood was useless, so we had to have God's help in saving him immediately. And we felt like we were having to offer him up to God. And it was also this time uh, that this had more meaning for me. I, I never understood this whole thing with Abraham and God. Uh, why would he ask this of him? It's, it seemed ridiculous to me growing up. Uh, God is opposed to child sacrifice. He has things that he says, how much he hates when people sacrifice their children. Why is it that now he's asking Abraham to sacrifice his child? And now I finally realized what this was all about. This was offering up your child to God and allowing God to take over. And now it made more sense to me as I saw this play out in my life and in my family's life. He's dead. Um, relax, I'm alive. <laughs> I'm here. Um, but I'm, I'm here because of the blood of another person. Uh, I'm here because uh, God decided that there was use for me uh, and he had a purpose for me. And, and um, my dad's decision to give me over to God didn't stop there at birth. Uh, he, he didn't just take control from that point on. Like, right, God, you saved him. Now he's mine. No, from that point on, he, he lived his life and he did the same thing with my sisters and any other child that came in his custody during times of need. Um, he made sure that they, they all knew that God is the priority and that we are his. Um, and because of that, uh, my life is dramatically different. Um, my dad, he wanted us to succeed. He pushed us to, to succeed in every avenue of life. Um, my sisters are straight A students, which was nice for me to break that mold. Um, <laughs> but my dad pushed us to get good grades. Um, and, and he continued to do that. Uh, I, I failed. Yeah, I, did, I, I didn't fail. I never got an F. Yeah, you got an F once. All right, but I never did. Thanks for bringing that up. <laughs> yeah. Um, he pushed us to succeed in that, but that well, wasn't the end all thing. Uh, he pushed us to succeed in sports. I never became a pro ball player. Sorry, Dad. Um, that would have been nice. Even I would have liked that, but, um, but I gave up on that too. I briefly played uh, tenor saxophone, gave up on that. He didn't fight me that hard on that one. Um, it was pretty painful for me. Yeah, wasn't very good. Um, but all those things, he was okay letting go. 
Like he wanted me to succeed. He pushed me to succeed, encouraged me at, at every avenue. But the one thing he was adamant about that while I was in his house and while I was under his care, that while God had me here with him, he was gonna make sure God was the most important thing, that we were gonna go to church. And when I was in trouble, I got more church, not less, <laughs> all right? I had to go to those uh, brunches with some elderly women, all right? So always he was pushing me towards a, a relationship with God, uh, no matter how much I struggled. I, I didn't put up, a, I know it seems out of character that I seem like a, the perfect human being, but yes, I had a time in my life. It's the ironic thing is my mom will tell you this all the time. We had, he had two girls and a boy. I'm the most emotional of the three and I gave them the most trouble. Um, but no matter how much I struggled, he, he still kept with it. We were praying every night. We were gonna do a Bible study once a week on top of the church that we were going to. He made sure that God was our most important priority, that our schedule, our lives revolved around God, that we didn't make schedules for other things, that this was it, and then we'll fit in the other stuff outside of that. Sports, uh, our, our, our athletics and academics, all of those things, those came after our relationship with God. That was the priority because he recognized one very important thing that I and my sisters were not his. He had them for a sh short amount of time that we were God's, that God's creation, that, that he got the opportunity to help raise. And so he wasn't gonna take that lightly and uh, try to super it for our own and try to make us just successful worldly people. No, he wanted to make sure that we had relationships with Jesus. And I, I wanna encourage you fathers and everyone out here that um, you may not be able to find that your, your child will follow the Lord. You may not actually accomplish that goal, but you can accomplish the goal, and I can guarantee you this, of doing everything you can to make sure that they, they know that Jesus loves them, that they know that he is the most important priority in their life. You can do everything, and the one thing he did do very well was make sure that we knew that God was the most important thing to him. And even if we didn't decide to make the, that the same thing for us, he was gonna make sure that we knew that that was the most important thing to him. Uh, and so all three of us decided to give our lives to the Lord in our separate ways. Um, my sister came home when I was four years old and told me I was going to hell. So that was right when I was like, okay, I don't want to do that. But actually, she spent hope. Yeah, hope. Spent plenty of time going over all the details of how terrible hell is and then told me I was going there. So I was like, thanks, Hope. But I decided to give my life to the Lord and I decided to follow him and I decided even to go into ministry all because of the example my father set for me. Because he said God was the most important thing and, and even though I didn't always like my dad, even though I didn't always like going to church, I did know this, God was the most important thing. That was the highest priority. And so I wanna encourage everyone in here to first and foremost, make God the highest priority in your life. Just do it. Like he, most of us will agree, yeah, God's the most important thing, but are you showing it with the way you live your life? Does your calendar reflect that? Is God the first thing that goes on that list? Is going to church and all the, the opportunities that church has to offer, is that the first thing on your list or is that the first thing to go off the list? Is, God is the priority. And, and that's the practice that we need to have. That's the practice that my dad had and his dad had. It's the practice that we have of making God a priority in our life. And then on top of that, fathers, I'm speaking directly to you, make it a principle for your family. You have a responsibility as a father. It's a great opportunity that you get. It's an awesome moment that you have uh, to raise children. Don't take it lightly. 
This is a responsibility that you have to weigh in on your children's lives while they are still in your care to show them that maybe it won't be for them, but at least they will know for you God is the priority. That's what my dad did for us. Uh, And uh, I think it worked out pretty good. So, you know, I'm here today. So thanks to him. Um, We're going to go into our time of communion. Uh, So if I can have everyone that's going to pass out uh, the communion. We at Real Life, for those of you who haven't been with us before, we have an open table, which means if you haven't accepted, or if you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you can take part with us. Amen. Also want to uh, let you know that although this is the Lord's table and it's only for Christians that uh, have accepted Jesus Christ as their Savior to participate in it, uh, there is always the time for any person in here to accept Christ. And now is a great time to accept Christ. And you are perfectly welcome while you're sitting, waiting for the communion to get passed out to you. You can say a prayer right now, ask Jesus into your heart, and then you can take communion with us as part of the family of God. This is the Lord's table. Someday we're gonna stand in heaven and uh, we will be there because Jesus Christ died for us and gave up his life, made that sacrifice. Uh, I love this story even more now, the story of Abraham, because I realize, as Corbin was sharing, this has a direct connection to Jesus Christ, that in, I believe, probably, God directed Abraham to the exact place where his son was going to be sacrificed, and said to him, you do not have to sacrifice your son, you don't have to give him up, because I'm going to give up my son. I'm, he's going to pay the sacrifice for your sin, not your son, Isaac. And so we have a perfect story here of uh, what God has done. And uh, he has set the example of what a real father is to be. And if you're a father today, whether by choice or not by choice, it doesn't matter. You have the responsibility to live up to that life and to do what God has called you to do, which is to give up your son to him. Um, daughter. The, the, the second invocation that we have for today's sermon is uh, that if you don't get it right at, at first, that's okay. Abraham didn't get it right. He, he doubted God and made Ishmael. Um, he, he, he doubted God several times. And because of that, like, we, have, we have all those stories, but we also have this wonderful example that God calls imperfect people to do perfect things. Uh, and this, this story of Ishmael is, is showing us that, that even though Abraham doesn't get it right at first, he still has another opportunity. And I want to encourage everybody here today that trusting God and having faith in him is difficult. I don't want you to walk away looking at these biblical characters thinking that we have to be perfect. No, Abraham wasn't perfect. He got it wrong at first, and that's okay. So if you're struggling to, to f- trust God, to believe in him and have faith in him, keep trying. Keep trying. Because at some point you will find that test and you will meet it and you will overcome it. Because God will continue to be faithful and uh, you'll, you'll come to the realization that all of this is because of him uh, and you'll learn to trust him more. And that's what's happened in my life and I continue to learn to trust God more. I still make mistakes, I still doubt, but more often than not, I trust God now more than I ever have because I keep trying. One of the things that I've discovered a lot of things in life I've not been as successful at, but one thing I discovered was that I have to surrender my children to God. There's no way I can be the father that they need to have 
There's no way I can provide for them everything they need to have in order to lead them to the kingdom of God and to lead them to Jesus Christ. So ultimately I, I learned, and I fortunately I learned pretty early that I have to give up my kids to the Lord and I pray for them regularly. I pray that God will take over their life and do what he wants to do in their life. I have my goals. I would have loved to see him be a big league ball player. That, would, that was my goal in life. Didn't work for either one of us. But uh, I am proud and I am happy that he made the choice to become a pastor uh, and a, more importantly, a follower of Jesus Christ. And I believe that is all my kids did. And I believe that's because I gave them to the Lord and said, you do what you need to do and I'll just do what you tell me. And the last thing is just make God a priority. Everyone in this room can do this. Um, make God a priority, but parents, make it a principle in your family that this is what you, your family is about. God is first. God is foremost. You're expecting to have children. You're going to have children at some point. I hope someday to be able to do this with my family, but this is, this is what our, our job is, to practice it in our own life, making God a priority and make it a principle within our family. Jesus, on the night before he was to be crucified, he took bread and he gave it to his disciples and he said to them, this is my body which is broken for you. Take and eat, all of you. Then Jesus passed the cup and said, this is my blood which I will shed for you. Take and drink, everyone. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, my Father, I thank you so much for blessing my life and blessing my family's life. I give you all the credit and all the glory for everything that you've done. I know it was you, it wasn't me. But I, Lord, I just pray right now for all the families in this church, all of the fathers and grandfathers, mothers and grandmothers, all of the children of this church, Lord. I want to pray that in the name of Jesus Christ that you would bless every one of them. Lead all of these wonderful people to the Lord. Lead all of them to become followers of Christ. Lead all of us, Lord, to that table that you have set up for us, waiting for us in heaven. For all who have believed in you and all who have followed you, Lord, we pray that all of us will join you there, and especially those in our families, Lord. We pray that most of all. Do what, do what it takes, Lord, to get us to that table. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for checking out this message from Real Life on the Palouse. You can find out more about us by visiting us online at liferotp.com and connecting with us on Facebook and Instagram. Until next time, have a great week.